When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. We're back, baby. Uh, hope you all had an amazing summer. Uh, I spent it covering the WNBA on my other podcast called The Pickup, which I co-host with Freddie Rivas. You can check that out if you are so inclined. But we are back with NBA basketball. The season started and I couldn't be more excited to talk about everything NBA with my buddy, my pal, the creator of Basketball Feelings, which is an amazing newsletter. You should absolutely check that out. And Instagram page, by the way. I really <laughs> enjoy the Basketball Feelings Instagram, uh, as well as a writer for, for Yahoo, for Uproxx, for a bunch of other stuff. Currently working on a book. I don't know if I can say that. You can. It's Katie Heindel. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. As you outlined, I'm busy. Um, but yeah, I'm great. I'm happy to be kicking off the season with you. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad. Um, we've had our first two nights in the books. What are your first kind of early impressions so far? The Warriors and the Lakers are cooked. No. <laughs> no, that's fine. We can go there. <laughs> no. Um, I'm trying to be as, I know it's like very fun to overreact, especially within the first two games of a mm -hmm. season, but I think I'll save my overreactions, but I think my genuine reactions is that this season for most teams, it's going to be a lot harder than anyone even thought. I don't think it's really necessarily clear, uh, who is going to be like the best, you know, I think the nuggets definitely want to repeat, but I think they're going to have a tough time getting there. The West is looking strong. The East is looking so weird and volatile, but mm -hmm. sometimes that can also make crazy things happen. So I think we're in for another big year of parity. Um, yeah, mostly I was very actually heartened to see how many rookies had great first games. That makes yeah. me feel good. I, uh, I, you know, there's a lot of talk and hype around uh, Wemby. Well-deserved, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, I actually, you know, even though he didn't have, like, a really great first game, it still very much feels like a new era in basketball to me <laughs> with this kid in the league. Like, I, I just feel like you see the flashes of brilliance in his game. And just to see someone his size with the dexterity that he has and you know he made a lot of kind of you know rookie style mistakes as you would expect someone to make but you can tell like this guy is going to dominate the league for a very long time I feel and you know I think a lot of people are kind of worried about like injuries and stuff due to his size and obviously like that makes sense but because he can move the way he can move I'm not as worried looking at him the way I'm concerned looking at like a Zion or even like Embiid back in the day, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, I just feel like it definitely feels like we're in a new era in the league. That also kind of goes with your point about the Lakers and the Warriors being cooked, quote unquote, Katie Heindel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think they're both really good teams, but I agree. I don't think either of those teams can get past the Nuggets. Uh, this season, I actually think there's a little less parity than than I think you than you feel. Mm -hmm. um, you're a bigger expert than I am, but I, I feel like I just feel like the Nuggets are really, really poised to repeat this year. I I mean, yes, it's going to be challenging. The West is far more difficult than the East. Uh, the East is a bit of a a uh, sideshow like I don't know. <laughs> the east is really really weird this year like it's actually like i've been an advocate for i mean this is kind of going a little off topic but for the playoffs to be the best one through 16 mm 
Mm -hmm. I mean, that doesn't necessarily help our, our Raptors and we'll get into them in a minute, but uh, yeah, I just feel like the playoffs should be the top 16 teams because the majority of them are <laughs> in the West, but yeah, I, I just feel like the Nuggets are really poised to repeat. That's probably my overreaction. And my first impressions are we're in the beginning of the Wemby era. Yeah. I like, I think like to, to Wemby's credit, you know, like on the rookie mistakes that you mentioned, I think there's also something to be said for like his technical prowess and just his general skill. Um, and also I'm trying to think of a better word than this, but like his stability as a rookie, like he doesn't uh. really look flustered because I will say with his frame, any mistakes could really be more emphasized. You know what I mean? Right. It's just like, it's hard not to notice what he's doing at all times when he's on the floor, especially because I think, We'll get used to it, but I think generally people are not visually used to it yet, right? Um, yes. But it doesn't look like his his mistakes don't look that much more pronounced. You know what I mean? Like they just look like a regular kind of rookie's mistakes and he's sort of getting into the swing of it. Um, I think it might be a little bit harder for him just being on a Spurs team where it's like, yes, they've said we don't need you to come in and like be super impactful off the bat and we're not expecting to like obviously – get into maybe even the playoffs this season. But I think there is still this like underlying expectation for him, even if nobody has said it out loud, that it's like, that is kind of what the Spurs want. Yeah, <laughs> like, I agree. Yeah, like I also, because I think of, if somebody like Greg Popovich, I don't really think he would be sticking around. Yes, he loves to coach great basketball stars and like recognizes a, a really special thing when he sees it but i'm also like that man is so tired and like so <laughs> grumpy most of the time that like he doesn't just want to stick around to coach like a mediocre team for the next x amount of years you know Do you i think, think so i think he's like yeah we could really i mean i agree he's i agree he's tired yeah, I mean, I think that much is very <laughs> apparent. He's but tired. I also there's something about Popovich where I feel like his will to live is solely around basketball. <laughs> it's hard Kinda. to imagine him retiring on any level. He is just like, yeah, he's like one of those people and everyone knows people like this, you know, but it's like you see them significantly slow down in all aspects of their life when they retire, when they like leave their work or the thing that they love behind or they're told to just kind of like, hey, you got to maybe like take it easy now. And then the minute they stop, it's like everything kind of goes crashing down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that's a good point. Um <laughs> But like to your Nuggets point, uh, especially when you were you like the word that stuck out to me is poise and they do really have that. And I was thinking about how last season, you know, they just kind of so stoically and quietly went through the regular season winning and just like at the very top of contention and in the standings for such a long period of time that I think they had one sort of flubbing month. Maybe it was in May. Uh and everyone was like, this is it. They're going downhill. And it's like, no, I think they're just like relaxed, like took their foot off the gas for one second, you know, maybe even out of curiosity to be like, if we do this, what's the worst that can happen? You know what right, I mean? Right. Um, when I spoke with Jamal Murray about that, like I interviewed him a couple, like a week and a half ago. And he was saying that the more, the thing about this season that he thought was going to be more difficult is they have to be almost like more annoying to one another because they know what it feels like to win. So it's not so much like them getting mad at each other to strive for this thing they've never experienced before. But like now that they have, they have to be, he said, like nuisances to each other even hmm. more. And I think that team can very much do that. That's super interesting. Kind of telling too of like their personality as a team. Mm-hmm. Right, because mm -hmm. I haven't heard a, a defending champion phrase it that way before. They're always like, yeah, we, we want to be back there. We're going to be back there, blah, blah, blah. We're going to repeat. We're going to work hard, blah, blah, blah. We know there's a target on our back. Like, those are the kinds of quotes you typically hear around that. So that's, I don't know, that's super interesting. I also, liked it. Yeah. I it really too. showed, like, I don't know. I just showed, like, oh, you, these are just real relationships. Like, everyone knows what it is to be a nuisance to someone that you you're trying to, like, get the best out of or vice versa right yeah it also reminds me too of all the stories about jamal murray and and his dad 
and the way he was kind of practicing when he was growing up and like the extreme discipline that he had or that he was forced to have mm-hmm. and then now it's like yeah now i have to be annoying to my teammates <laughs> and it feels like a an added layer to that possibly. yeah it absolutely does and just like a, a closeness too because i think you also push people you know that you have to understand someone's boundaries very well i think and like pretty intimately to know how much you can push them and how much you can stand like getting away with being a nuisance almost i think on the opposite side of that and if we want to go back to like overreactions thus far in the season i think about like the bulls having their first player only team yes and kicking billy out of the locker room like Uh, for people who don't first game yeah for people who don't know this after the bulls first game last night they had a players only meeting and kicked yeah uh, billy donovan out of the locker room or i heard that he was like do you want me to leave and yeah. they were like yes he went in so he wasn't like, kicked out but he was I like be here and they're like yeah. like no get out of here <laughs> which like i respect it you're taking a i was gonna be like you're taking a hint but you're not you're just taking a verbal instruction <laughs> yeah yeah um which maybe isn't an overreaction if you're the bulls because i feel like you know, they have higher hopes than maybe the rest of the league Mm -hmm. has for them. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the East is nutty and their hopes are valid. It's a telling, it's like a telling of a reaction. You're right. Which is kind of cool because it's like, okay, maybe our expectations for this team were not that high. But when you see something like that, you're like, okay, like they have definitely framed for us like where they see themselves, even if they know they're not there yet, like that's where they want to end up. Yeah, I mean, especially, too, with what happened with the Miami Heat last year, Mm -hmm. maybe a lot of other teams in the East see themselves like, hey, like, there's no reason we couldn't be that team, especially for teams like the Bulls that were in the play-in and and all of that. So who knows? Um, But I agree. That is definitely definitely a reaction (laughs) to the beginning of this season so far. Um, Speaking of wild reactions, Mm -hmm. I want to get into this James Harden saga so the latest is that he actually did show up to the team for the regular season but they asked him not to travel with the team and to stay behind in philadelphia and i guess get like game ready quote unquote Mm -hmm. um and so philadelphia they've traveled to uh, milwaukee we're recording this on thursday so their game is later tonight and then maybe harden will join the team at some point Mm -hmm. what do you make of this colossal mess that is happening in philadelphia right now i mean it was so funny to me first of all how it was reported it was like picturing james harden was like a like a little, like a, I want to say a kid. Cause I'm picturing someone kind of removed of agency with like their overnight bag. <laughs> he showed yes. up, he showed up ready to go. Like his toothbrush was packed. Like all his, you know, like the stuff he needed to like be away from home for a few nights. And then they were like, no, you're not ready. <laughs> um, I don't want to like, I'm still a little bit, uh, like granted everything that happened this summer i don't doubt that was like really unnecessary drama between not just harden but like maury as well but i know that harden's mom lives in houston and that's where he'd been and his mom is maybe six so i think like maybe his reasons for being away from the team in the immediacy like the last week or so are more valid than they were in the summer Mm -hmm. Um, granted you can't just take that into account and not everything, of course, that happened in the summer, which is, I think, where the team is coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also pretty likely that whatever he's been kind of dealing with, he basketball wasn't the thing he was thinking of. So maybe his conditioning is a little bit off. And maybe they also just want to wanted to save themselves a little bit of like a headache or like, I don't know. I can also see now that Nick Nurse is like the head of that team (laughs) just being so regimented about like, no, this is like we've already worked through this roster. Like this is our lineup, you know, going into these first few games and I don't want to deviate from it. Like that is very much like a Nick Uh Nurse-ism and approach. So I could see him wanting to put that off till he gets back and like slide hard into the lineup once, you know, they have had a couple games under their belts um he could still make it to toronto it would be cool to to see him play but it's interesting 
a part of me honestly also thought he would just sit out the whole season because he does strike me as someone who is that stubborn. Yeah. Um, and he has been reported to be that stubborn. Also, he can afford it. Like it's a huge hit, yeah. but like he could afford it. And if you really want to get your point across, that would certainly be one way to do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like even if he does come back to play with this team, like these relationships have been fractured. Mm hmm. Right. Like, I, I don't know if his teammates are just going to be like, yeah, whatever. We don't care. Contracts, blah, blah, blah. Just come back and play with us because we know you're James Harden and you can mm -hmm. help us. But or are they thinking about how he kind of quit on this team at the very tail end of the playoffs last year? And then, like you said, the the whole summer included and then not being there for preseason and training camp and kind of acting like you know, none of that really matters. Mm -hmm. It's just like, that's detrimental to your relationships with your players. So I feel like even if he does come back, it's like, if you're Daryl Morey, like you got to trade this guy. And it's, it's kind of too bad that they didn't get a deal done in the summer, mm -hmm. you know, cause now it's like, I don't know why Daryl Morey thinks it's okay to drag his team through this kind of like regular season drama, like he did with Ben Simmons and now with Harden, like, you know, and then he hires Nick nurse who, you know, we know is like not a quote unquote vibes guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which it feels like that's kind of what this team could really use. I feel like Philadelphia could use some real positivity right now, which they mm -hmm. seem to be lacking on all fronts. I just don't know how many times a team can go through this type of drama and still remain a, a championship contender, no matter how good Embiid is. Yeah. I would say like championship contender. Yeah. I don't, I think like that you're seeing like a real slow erosion mm -hmm. of those hopes for the team. But I was even going to say how, how often can a team go through this and kind of like remain intact? Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. Yeah. Have like any kind of positive morale. Um, but weirdly I, the Sixers seem to thrive in it. <laughs> like this is not, <laughs> and like, this is not me saying this against every single individual on that team. Like I do certainly want the best for Tyrese Maxey, PJ Tucker, like, you know, there's like a lot of really phenomenally talented individuals on that team, but Embiid and Maury in some ways, are a very good and destructive pairing for one another because I feel like they just enable the other, you know, and like hmm. I've written about this before, but it's, it does start to feel like the process as we've, you know, titled it is basically just purgatory <laughs> and they're in there. You know what I mean? Like, cause we don't know, like, what does this team look like without that? We haven't seen that in ever. Like, this era of the Sixers, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and like, what would they be without it? Would they be free and like free to like be like become the team that the process has set them up to be? Or are they just destined to stay this way forever? Is <laughs> like a middling, very talented, but still middling kind of like held back by their own hubris <laughs> sort of team. Yeah. I mean, it, that's an excellent, excellent point. I feel like, the latter seems to be what has transpired, mm -hmm. right? Because you think about all those years of tanking and, and, you know, to acquire, you know, these quote unquote assets, and then it didn't work out with Ben Simmons. And now it's not working out with James Harden. And then it's like, what do you end up with at the end of that outside of just Embiid? And I feel like, you know, a lot of people have talked about the basketball gods, basketball karma, stuff like that, right? Like, can you tank that long and then be rewarded with a championship? And I, I'm not the first one to say it, but that if that were to happen, it, like, it ultimately would not be good for the league um, to see that kind of thing rewarded, even though it's actually been a very long time now. It has been. It's, was, it's been like yeah. a decade. I was going to say, least. like that yeah. first kind of tank to the top sort of mentality, like if that was going to happen, I feel like it would have happened already. By now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The, the Sixers are very like kind of an endless fascination to me. Um, I don't even mean that only in like a disparaging way. Like they are incredibly frustrating, but uh, the last thing they kind of needed, but also the thing they love most is having someone to blame. 
Or like they have that now in Harden, but it's also like the last thing they need. They just need people who want to come in there and play basketball. And Harden's not there right now. And he hasn't been there in a few seasons, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Super curious to see how this is going to unfold. It doesn't look like it's ending anytime soon. And again, yeah, even if he does come back and plays, you know, who knows what the quality of that will be. Even if he on his own is great. It's like, you can't just have Harden like ISO ball, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how he's going to gel with his teammates again after all of this. And and with Nurse and his crazy schemes all the time, you know, he's probably not going to run the way Nick Nurse likes to run his players into the ground. So who knows? Uh, but definitely a curious situation. And I think uh, they would be best to trade him as soon as they they can. Apparently, the Clippers have dropped out of trade talks with them. Okay. I haven't heard that. But that's, yeah, that's I saw, I I saw a clip of Woj saying that last night that the Clippers, for the time being, have stopped uh, negotiating on that front because the regular season has started. And I think they just want to see how this plays out for now and uh bob myers the former uh warriors uh gm Mm -hmm. uh is now doing some espn analyst work which is actually pretty great um and he was saying like yeah like that'll stop for now but as soon as teams start like losing yeah and they that's when the phones are going to start ringing again so i feel like these trade rumors will pick up again in maybe like three weeks to a month and then we'll we'll see where we are from there. Probably. Um, yeah. Um, there's this new in-season tournament <laughs> that is happening. And I've read about it. And I'm still confused. It's, it is not <laughs> the most straightforward thing that the NBA has uh, proposed this year. Essentially, it actually starts next week. It starts November yeah. 3rd. And it's going to run until December 9th. And essentially, there's a a handful of rounds. Uh, The Western Conference and Eastern Conference are broken up into three groups each. And then in December, there will be a quarterfinal, semifinal, and final that take place in Las Vegas. And the winning team gets Mm -hmm. $500,000. Yeah, I was really confused about this, honestly, until... Adam Silver joined like the uh, – I'm always like outside the NBA, the inside the NBA <laughs> team. Outside the arena, inside That's, the NBA. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, and explained it, and I very much was like Barkley when he was like, oh, I thought it was more games. And I also was like, is it more games? But it's games. Oh. These Every team is already playing. Yeah, it's only still one an extra 82 game. game season. Yeah. So it's like every Tuesday and Thursday, I think is how it shakes out uh, through November into December. Um, single elimination. I also have to say, and just like caught to being this susceptible, but I wasn't, I didn't really care about it until I saw that Ocean's Eleven style promo video that the league released. <laughs> yesterday and I was like oh yeah this looks cool <laughs> mostly because of Kawhi's phenomenal acting chops right um, yeah we got that funny clip of Kawhi with the with the sunglasses yeah on the phone oh my god uh in like a casino kitchen um saying oh he had no lines yeah he had no lines but uh that's wise the behind this i recommend watching the behind the scenes like the making of the commercial because in that which i did clip and put on the basketball feelings instagram account he's like single take (laughs) (laughs) like really proud of himself i'm like it's true you did Um, that's so funny yeah so it's interesting to me. Like, I'm always a bit dubious of this kind of stuff because I'm like, why do you need to gamify a, a game? You know, like to draw more interest. Um, I also think this part of the season is already fairly competitive. Mm-hmm. Things usually start to taper off pre, just pre and post All Star. You know, like those are. Kind I of agree. Big, I yeah. feel like January is more like mm-hmm. the dog days of the NBA season, not necessarily November when things have just started. Exactly. So the logic of this, like the timing of it kind of escapes me, unless you're trying to drum up, 
No, because like the Christmas Day games are also sort of their own thing and people tune into those mm-hmm. who probably don't even watch the whole regular season. Um, so that's kind of also like an individual property. So yeah, the timing is weird. I feel like you should have this later. Um, I guess it's like would be butting up against All-Star maybe. But again, like... No, I think if you ran it like just after New Year's mm-hmm. to the first week of February... Mm-hmm. I agree. That makes way more sense. And then you have the trade deadline after that, then all-star, and then everyone's ramping up to the playoffs, and then you've got March Madness in between there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like right now people aren't bored yet because it's just started. But maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe there's like ratings information that confirms when they decided to do this that's sort of beyond oh, our, probably. yeah, you know, NBA stan-ness of it all. But um yeah so how do you feel about this this tournament do you feel like this is exciting do you feel it's like just a bunch of like hoopla going nowhere um i'm kind of curious to see it i honestly liked the idea more of single elimination if it was like a standalone tournament right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and you could kind of watch like i hate to bring things back to the bubble because i know that was a shitty time for everybody but if you had something like that where it was like more captive and it's like okay these guys just play games throughout the day and then or like not multiple games throughout the day, but you know, in like a short period of time. Um, and if that could still somehow count towards the regular season tally, like the season is just too long. So I guess on one hand, I'm happy that this isn't adding more games to that. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Curious to see how it goes. I don't really know about like, are they going to donate the money? I would hope so. Right. Like, I didn't read about a charity element to this. Like I, I know like the winning with, team just would. <laughs> that yes, yeah. that but I but I don't think it's embedded into the program. Mm-hmm. Like with All Star, like they've changed it back to East versus West. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have kept a charity element to the prize money um that they had before. And so now, yeah, I, I don't believe the in-game tournament has that um like it did before. But I um with this tournament, I feel like it's gonna increase tourism in Las Vegas for the first week of December. Yeah. But otherwise, uh <laughs> <laughs> which like does Vegas need ever? Like they're pretty you know? Yeah. And for people who play in cold weather markets like Toronto, you know, if they even make it there, uh, it'll be nice for them to have some days in Vegas. But otherwise, I don't know what this is going to do for the league. I mean, I hope these games are fun to watch Mm -hmm. and that I guess it gets casuals more engaged. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I mean, I don't know. I'm still watching games in December. Yeah, me too. I, like these are just the regular games you would be watching anyway, so they're just gonna have a different like overlay on your screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, It'll be like mm-hmm. in season tournament instead of like Thursday night in November. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we'll have to see how that shakes up. Maybe it'll surprise us all, and we'll be like, "Wow, mm-hmm. these are like really competitive games, and like these teams care a lot." And you know, I feel like outside of money, what would have made this more interesting? is if like it it like gave a team like home court advantage or something yeah like in the first round of the playoffs if they were to not be in the top four or something like that i think that would be a greater incentive than just a cash prize i feel like that would be way more intriguing to me personally no i totally agree with that yeah yeah like like the winner like let's say for example like the winner of the entire tournament is the Boston Celtics. Okay, Boston Celtics, you get home court advantage in the playoffs. So, like, let's say they make it to the finals and the Nuggets had a better regular season schedule. Well, the Celtics would have home court advantage because they won this in-season tournament. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. would also make more sense if it took place later in the season, mm-hmm. right, than taking place in, like, December. I think that makes more sense if it happens later. But still, anyways, I think that would be uh, a greater incentive, in my opinion. I think, that, like, the last thing I'll say on it, too, is, like, later you would also have more established rivalries, which I think the NBA mm. is always, like, trying so hard to force anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but you would have had things already happen, whether that's in games or just, like, you know, teams are, like, we've lost against this team now, for, like, twice. We really want to beat them. 
um, that stuff would be established. So you'd have some level of a storyline going, whereas this, it's like, you don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, let's move on to our Raptors Homer moment. <laughs> Katie, as everyone and their mother has said, the vibes are back. Mm -hmm. The vibes are back. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows it. Everyone sees it. It is palpable. Um, you know, but we also won our first game, which is great. And I feel like for all this talk about the vibes being back, the vibes being back, nothing is going to maintain those vibes more than winning. Mm -hmm. So it's good to see that we won this first game so far. What do you feel is the biggest difference with this Raptor squad this year? Aside from just vibes. You and Pascal both have the same opinion. Yeah. Like, I think he said the same thing. He was like, it's great now. Like vibes are high or whatever, but like, we'll see. You have to win to maintain that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As he knows all too well. Yes. Um, from last year <laughs> and a couple other seasons. So yes. I will say um, more than vibes. I was really impressed uh, being at the game last night and kind of around the team again by the energy. And I think like not just energy in the locker rooms um, and then the way that, you know, Darko Ryakovich and the team talks about each other, but also in sustained energy throughout the game. I was kind of waiting for that classic Raptors third quarter slump. And it did come a bit because the Wolves did go on a little bit of a run. Mm -hmm. um, but they were, it like really was not as palpable as I thought it would be. Cause you know, like, I feel like we're so used to that dragging third quarter where it's like anything yes. good that happened in the first half is just like, it's basically like a different game, right? Yep. And then the fourth is just spent digging themselves out of the hole uh, and trying to make up for like a scoring deficit, a defensive deficit, like something that's gone terribly off the rails. Uh, and that didn't happen last night. And Darko was going through a bunch of different rotations. Some were kind of weird and sticky, but I think they all, you could see what he, you could see like his intention through all of them, uh -huh. which I think was very cool. Um, it felt like there was a plan versus just the stubbornness sometimes as we saw last season to stick to a plan no matter what happened, even when the plan clearly yes. had <laughs> failed yep. the team. Yeah. Yep. So I was really impressed by that because I will say even against like the Nuggets, um, the Nuggets Lakers game, uh, on the NBA opening night, that game even had a bit of an energy slump. I would say in the third, not in the in the in the la last half of the third and like the fourth quarter, which yeah, you could like chalk up a bit to conditioning and just like everybody takes about two weeks, I think, to get their legs under them, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and get up to like NBA competition speed. But I didn't really feel like the Raptors had that, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like. Um, this team is gelling well together. I mm -hmm. like the pacing of this team. I feel like, you know, Dennis Schroeder is helping this team run a bit more, um, which is nice. And I feel like, you know, even though I think people would consider Fred a better overall player, mm -hmm. it's possible that Dennis Schroeder is just a better fit for this squad in terms of just playmaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There were some times even when Dennis Schroeder could like, even get like a run up to the, or like he was cutting or he was kind of just like trying to make the team go on a run, especially in the fourth when um, I don't think Fred would have been able to do the same thing. Mm. Like I think Fred's flow was more kind of stop, start, stop and collect things yeah. as opposed to like fluidly playing through. And yeah, like Schroeder definitely like dinged a few shots where it was yeah. like, yeah, you maybe should have passed that and not just like taking the shot, which is mm -hmm. like what, you know, he historically has been known for, but that stuff's going to take a little while to smooth out too. But yeah, generally like I know again, I hate to say it cause it's all we've been saying, but vibes are high. I will say everyone also <laughs> just seems like they really genuinely like and are interested in one another, which is really cool to see. Mm -hmm. There's like a level of connectivity on and off the floor that I think had been really lacking. So like, yeah, it's one game in. <laughs> so Yeah. Well, you know what I will say too, like even like from the crowd, like hearing like the mm -hmm. let's go Raptors chant, it felt genuine and it felt really good. Like, I feel like even like the crowds have had a bit of a lull mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, this year. That might just be my opinion, but I feel like, you know, we, I, I feel like we had better crowds in the DeRozan era and then obviously the championship season than we've had in more recent years. I feel mm-hmm. like it's just been really expensive and there's a lot of casuals and then there's a lot of people like not like really getting into the action. Like I, I might be biased, but like I had a, an interaction where like, we were chanting let's go Raptors and it was during that playoff series against the 76ers, the the one where we lost in the first round. (laughs) And uh, there was a guy filming himself. Let's go Raptors in the fourth quarter of a game that went to overtime. And I was just like, things have changed. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like things have changed. This is egregious. This is not okay. And I wasn't at the game last night, but it just felt like a lot of these like kind of like genuine real Raptors fans were back Mm -hmm. uh, rooting this team on. And I feel like being underdogs has always historically suited us. And I feel like we're kind of back in that place, but like in a good way. Mm -hmm. And um, aside from that, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about like, you know, the half court offense still being a bit of a struggle bus, but at least we were able to pull out a win. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that? No, I think what you said about like expectations, I think there's been like an expectation reset um, through the Mm -hmm. fan base for sure, which is kind of refreshing because I think that's what's going to give you like better crowd reactions. Like last night, of course, it's like just excitement to be back. And to be watching the Raptors again, but in going into a season where like it's gonna be so easy for this team to over exceed, right? And to like yeah. like to to surpass everyone's expectations, which is kind of nice. Cause I think in past season, regardless of play and like proof of concept, the expectations were still, you know, championship level high. Whereas like you had kind of the you had such a big roster shakeout this past summer. Um the expectations are going to level off just naturally through that. So I think it's cool. It's kind of like the Raptors season to like to excel if they want to do it. Right. And like, depending on how far and how much they want to show. Sorry. What did you, I just blanked on like, I'm not ready for these late nights. What was was it that, that I had seen or not seen? Oh, just the half core offense. Oh yeah. There's been some observations about that still being a bit clunky. I don't know if you have thoughts on that or not. I did not put that in our docket. So that's I okay. Of, I threw that's that okay. one at you. I, I think like I think everything that is still like the things that are clunky to me make sense now why they are. It's like you're running through these things for the first time. So like when there are miscommunications or missteps or like really like last night there were some pretty uh, egregious like flubbed passes to no one. Mm-hmm. You know, that to me is like, okay just like they're not used to some of these plays yet. And like the personnel again is like totally different. Mm-hmm. I think the half core offense to me, it generally looks less sticky. It looks, it does look like it's more. And I think the th- the big thing like playing into this is how much, much better ball movement has gotten and like how much more fluid and improved. And just like generally how many people's hands are touching yes. the ball in any given play, because like that again, I find is so much is so fueling to offense so half court is like a bit of a specter i feel like hanging over the team um but i think the way through that is to just keep playing the way that they have been playing which is really you know accentuating um getting everybody kind of like a touch trying to take trying to look for like trying to be very generative of offensive energy and like looking for the best shot as opposed to just any shot and I think last year's team could really get stuck in that, especially in the offensive frustrations. You know, it's like when nothing is happening, you're just like hucking up anything to try and make something happen. Sometimes that works, but it didn't really work for the team last year. So, um, yeah, you can still see like the sticky points, but I'm generally like very encouraged. Yeah, I I agree, actually. I mean, I feel like you're right. Like last year, you know, it's tough because when you when there's a culture where you don't trust all the players, Mm -hmm. then it ends up creating this sort of like more iso ball type thing, which I think we saw a lot more of last year. And I feel like we're getting back to that ball movement that we used to have years ago, actually. And so that I agree, that is always really good to see. And I feel like all good teams do have really good ball movement. Mm -hmm. 
So mm-hmm. I, I agree. It, it is very encouraging for sure. Um, speaking of which, uh, Scotty Barnes uh, has exercised his team option on his rookie deal. Um, I don't know if that's big news or not big news, but do you see Scotty emerging as like a more formidable leader on this team? I think so. I think last night he like he played so well. I think he was definitely like the standout for me. Um, I think he kind of had a messed up. I don't mean like he messed up last season. I just mean like the season around him last year was kind of messed up, mm-hmm. like in terms of what the expectations that were set out for him versus like what he achieved and then what he was kind of. I would say em- that's a bit of both. Empowered to achieve. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it, there just like was not a whole lot of clarity. Um, it seems like there's more of that uh, in terms of like Ryakovich like telling him what he wants from him, you know, and like what he's working with. And then also like similarly, all the guys around him knowing what it is, is expected of them. Like Chris Boucher has said that Oshina Novi has said that. Um, so it's like, you have these kind of core, core pieces of the team who all kind of clearly know their roles. And I think for a young player like Scotty, that's where he kind of stumbled uh-huh, last season. Uh-huh. Um so yeah, I could see him emerging. I, I I'm very like trepidatious to say as a leader yet because to me he's still he's still like a young guy, you know. Mm-hmm, like I mm-hmm. don't know that he should necessarily have to, or not that he's not ready, but I don't. You've still got Pascal Siakam, you've got Ojananobi, like you've got these other guys who I think are the more natural leaders on the team. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's just because I've been away from Raptors basketball for a little bit or not, but I I, I started to think to myself, like, I'm, I'm not 100% certain who the leader of this team is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's like a real thing or if that's like an issue or not in terms of like, you know, team chemistry of winning. I mean... Like, you know, in the Kyle era, it was very clear that he was the vocal leader, even if he wasn't the best player on the team. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I feel like Fred kind of took that over after Kyle left. And so now I feel like we're coming into the season and I feel like um, as great as Pascal is, I haven't seen him emerge as a vocal leader on this team before. And I don't know if that's who he's going to become or Mm -hmm. if he's going to give that to Scotty. If, if Scotty even wants to take that over, Mm -hmm. I feel like that is still remains a bit of a mystery to me. No, I agree with you. I think like, it's not necessarily, it doesn't seem like it's in Pascal's nature. Like, and again, like that's not a knock against him. I Mm -hmm. just think like, it's not where he chooses or really wants to be with him and Fred. It always seemed to fall more to Fred. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, of course I'm tempted to say like, you know, you've got Garrett Temple now, but like, that's more of a vet sort of role. And I Mm -hmm. think that role is always a bit more behind the scenes and more about guidance, you know, and just like being there as like a source of knowledge and information. If anybody wants to come to you for it, Um, the leadership question, I guess it's still, you know, I'll agree with you. I think maybe it is still a question mark Um, the way that the team is working right now. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Now I'm like going th- it through the like Rolodex in my head of like who are the leaders, who are the like v- obvious leaders on every kind of like winning, what we would call like winning NBA franchise. Yeah. 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 I feel like it remains to be seen with this team who that's uh, who that's going to be. But mm-hmm. um, okay. I'm glad I'm not alone in that. Cause I was like, I was like, is it just me? Cause no. I feel like it's not something anyone's really talking about, mm-hmm. but it feels like it's somewhat missing. I think everyone's so excited that the quote unquote vibes are back <laughs> that no one's really looked into that yet, but yeah. we'll, we'll see. It, Maybe you know. the vibes are the leader. Just vibes. Just vibes. Just energy. Just the leader. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> just flowing through everyone. It's a real like metaphysical team. Yeah. Yeah. We all just like stand around some incense and yeah. the incense are the leader. And then everyone's just... a conduit for energy, Catherine. Yeah. Wow. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, all right. Well, let's go. <laughs> Do you, um, uh, do you have any kind of like uh, foresight for this team in terms of like where you think they could place when all of this is said and done this season? You know what? I like read this 
shout out to Kelly Dwyer, who, if you don't know of him, he's like really venerated historical kind of voice in the NBA landscape, but he has the Substack, the second arrangement, and he just released this morning all his kind of like little late because the season has just started, but yeah. I don't know why he's a busy guy, but his like season previews. And he had something about like, it's not out of the realm of possibility, which is technically true for the Raptors to make the Eastern Conference finals. Wow. And I don't think he like I don't think he was being glib. I don't I think it was just like that is he I was mean, yeah, I know this is a Homer podcast, but come on. I think he was saying it in terms of like the East is so as we've talked about, like the East is so volatile. And in that way, it is fairly wide open that like the amount of things that need to break right for a team to make it that far in the playoffs anyway is already so stacked. So like why not? Mm-hmm assume like yeah you know the problems with I, I suppose like Celtics aside like the real problems or gaps for a lot of the Eastern Conference's leaders you know that we'd expect are still so prevalent that like maybe the Raptors don't like who's to say like they don't go on a bit of a run or really like gel or figure it out this is not what I am saying I am still like kind of <laughs> firmly in the camp of underdog territory like you i think this team performs best when the general sort of eye and pressure is off of it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um that's when the raptors really tend to overachieve and excel uh, i also think looking at this group of people that is probably what will serve them best you know to like not just be totally in the limelight um i think like better than playing feels realistic yeah like i think like a sixth spot why not? For this team feels realistic. I mean, I do think the top two would be Boston and Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, rounding that out, it does become a huge question mark, right? Like we don't know what's happening with Philadelphia, who would usually typically round out that top three. Mm -hmm. The Miami Heat don't care about the regular season. We all know that. But like, um, don't ever count them out. But yeah, never count yeah. them out in terms of their placement. I mean, Cleveland, some people are sleeping on Cleveland. I still think they're good. Mm -hmm. You know, Thank New you. York, New York is better. Um, so, you know, there is some competition in the East for sure. But I do think being sixth, being out of this play in is a very realistic possibility. And then it becomes about matchups after that. Mm -hmm. And then who knows who they face in the third spot in like a three, six or something like that. So yeah, I do think it is possible, but things have to break in the right oh, way. Yeah. In a very big way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I wouldn't take the Raptors in a series just against anybody right now. Um, but yeah, I think that is like a very like optimistic, but still grounded, uh approach to this team this year but i also think like going into this season you know earlier we talked about expectations keeping the expectations low i think will serve you as a raptors fan very mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. this year <laughs> and then if we make it to the playoffs or you know past a play-in situation then even better for us but i feel like that would be the right place to keep uh one's heart and mind yeah uh going into this give yourself like a reason to be pleasantly surprised more often than not i feel like is a good that's a good approach to the toronto raptors yes i completely agree um with that let's go into our raptors hottie highlight of the week <laughs> and that is pascal's halloween video where he oh man i meant to i had this in front of me and now it's it's escaped me where the movie that he was parroting where he was hanging, oh, yeah. dangling somebody yeah, yeah. upside down New jack city yes there we go mm -hmm. and you know trying to make a deal people were saying that this was kind of like a wink wink nudge nudge to messiah and bobby like oh my no, god let's get this extension going i missed that uh because that did not happen i don't mm -hmm. believe um so but it was still very funny very entertaining aside to pascal's personality that we don't see very often he is really big into halloween though he loves halloween yeah, yeah he loves he's halloween. one of those people he really really loves halloween and he's kind of under the radar about it you know and like the nba sort of costume roundups like it's not usually pascal but thinking back like sean woodley and i unlocked on the other day like went through all of his costumes like of the past few years and like he's he he does a good costume like he does a good halloween 
Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, did you, you're not, so you're not reading into this video at all. No, that's a wild, that's like, that's like Bulls players only meeting, like overreaction. <laughs> I think, I think he just like probably recently saw the movie and was like, this is a, I want to like do this, recreate the scene. It's pretty funny if I like make myself that person. I do not think it was anything to do with. It was a pretty impressive video. I don't quite know how he pulled it was. It I don't know. He definitely he's... had some video help there unless he's oh, yeah. like an editing genius and we don't know that about him. The real hottie moment of Pascal's party to me is Otto Porter's costume as, of a cowboy. He looked great. Wow. I he didn't see so this. Good. He looked so good. He had Damn. like a fitted Western shirt on, cowboy hat, serving real Bruce Brown vibes. Wow. I know nothing of Otto Porter Jr.'s personality. Like, it, like imagine he's just like. Quite kind. Uh, oh, that's know? good. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, imagine he just is kind of a cowboy. That would be cool, too. Just like he was like, these are my right. Regular clothes. These I are wear. just my clothes. And you've never seen it because yeah. I haven't been around that much. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it just took us a whole year to realize that mm -hmm. he just always has a cowboy hat on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is kind of harder to do here in the thick of winter, right? It doesn't really cover true. the ears. True, true. You could yeah. have one of those behind the ear things, behind the neck things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Cover your ears. Like a neck warmer. Yeah. With a cowboy hat. Real yellow. That would be a really wild look situation. Yeah. I to pull that off. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I like that. I like someone else having their own hottie highlight of the week on this mm -hmm. podcast. Um, that's amazing. Uh, Katie, thank you so much for joining me again. Uh, please tell everyone where uh, what you're up to and where they can find your work. Up to a lot. Um, but the easiest way to find my work, you can follow me on Twitter at whatevs, W-T-E-V-S. Um, that's uh, the Jamal Murray interview I mentioned earlier is on Dime. Um, so you can go to Dime and find that. You can, and I'm always posting everything I'm doing on Twitter. You can also subscribe to my newsletter, Basketball Feelings. Uh, that's at basketballfeelings.com. There's also a podcast that goes along with that. I had Sean Yu on recently. He is a producer. He uh, most recently is working on the podcast P podcast with Paul George. So we talked about yeah. what it's like to kind of like watch an athlete uh, sink into their stride in that sense, like in a totally new endeavor to them, which was a really cool thing to chat about. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that feels good. Amazing. That's what I'm doing for now. Yeah. <laughs> I love how you're like, I'm going to cut off the list there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but definitely follow Katie. Uh, thank you so much again for joining me. And uh, we will catch you next week. Bye, everyone.